Hello, I'm Matt Carpenter, and this is the Good Life Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Good Life. I am Matt Carpenter, and I am very privileged today to interview uh, a longtime hero of mine, Coach Grant Taff. Coach Taff is most well known for his time at the University of Baylor, or Baylor University. And he is a very successful football coach. But even more than that, he's a strong man of character who has taught many young men over the years. And I'm, I'm very thankful to, to welcome Coach Taft to the podcast today. Hello, Coach Taft. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Matt. And I'm uh, delighted to be with you today. Thank you. So just, you know, to get started, you know, some of our people, actually several of the people in our church are from Texas, so uh, they are familiar with your time when you were at Bader. But, you know, going before even, you didn't go immediately into jumping into football as the head coach at Bader University. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, went to college at McMurray University in Abilene, Texas, uh, and a junior college in San Angelo, Angelo State University now. And uh, so I uh, was able to play five years, three of those at McMurray. So when I graduated, I had also uh, done, had, had enough time, five years, Two at Angelo and three at McMurray. I went ahead and got my master's before, uh, and also my undergraduate when I graduated. And uh, that was one of the blessings. I wanted to make sure that I was able to do that uh, because I had uh, planned to uh, have a career uh, in education and coaching. And uh, I feel they both go together, and uh, I was fortunate and able to do that, man. So, what is it that motivated you in, in to, to be a coach? You know, so I mean, most men who are successful have different opportunities that they could pursue, but but for you, it sounds like you wanted to be a, a, a teacher and a coach from early on. What is it about coaching? that that drew you into that that calling and that vocation well i think we we are exposed to men in the coaching profession and uh if they are the right kind of men and they uh project uh that life and that ability to communicate with young people then it's attractive and that's what happened to me uh, I was very blessed in high school to have uh, two really great coaches. They played at Texas Tech, both of them, and one of them was Speedy Moffitt. They all had nicknames, and hmm. Speedy uh, was our head coach. And, of course, I never called him Speedy to his face. He was Certainly. Coach <laughs> Moffitt. 
And then one, the one that was uh, amazing was uh, Mule Kaiser. And the reason he got the nickname Mule, he had a long face that's sort of reminiscent of a mule. <laughs> and and he, in other words, he was not a handsome son or gun. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he, uh, he, uh, he was just uh, boy, a tough old guy and... Uh, I really did uh, did like him. He was he was our line coach and in, uh, in high school, and of course, Coach Moffitt uh, Speedy was the head coach. And you know, I, I decided when I was in high school that what they were doing is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to teach uh, young men and to motivate them to reach their goals like my coaches had motivated me. But one thing that went along with all of that for me, uh, Matt, was my family. My mother and father were just hardworking people. My, my dad uh, went 10 years one time, worked every day of every week for 10 straight years. Wow without a day off. He worked on Christmas Day as well. So I saw when I was growing up what a work ethic was all about. And so it has really benefited me throughout my entire life and and particularly in my career, uh, you know, because the harder you work, uh, the better you become, the more successful you become. And uh, that's true in any profession. And uh, it certainly is true in coaching. So I started out with an advantage because what I'd seen in my parents and uh, the work that they had done when I was growing up and the commitment that they had to our family and to the success of our family, the happiness of our family. So I, I had a wonderful, wonderful background and I had coaches that inspired me to be just like them, to be coaches. So that's why I'm at. I went in uh, to the coaching profession, and uh, I'm thankful that I did. It was a blessing in every aspect for me, and still is. Coach, how would you say that your your faith as a Christian has shaped who you are, not only as a, a man, as a husband and a father, but, but also as a coach, because you were one who you were not, you're not shy about making known that, that you belong to Christ and, and, and that you, you, you trust him. How, how does that affected your, your life? as as again as who you are as a man and as a coach well matt i think uh you know it's affected everything uh in my life uh you know it affected my marriage with my wife donnell we have three wonderful daughters and uh in raising them and being a, a man that was married uh, the principles that I believed in in football uh, were mixed with my Christian beliefs. And so that all became 
what I was and it served me so well in my marriage and as a father and as a coach. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, you can recommend, uh, that type of, uh, combination to everybody. But what I tried to do through my coaching was show, uh, my athletes and the people that came to our games, uh, what a Christian looked like mm. and in, in the, the field of coaching, uh, here's what a Christian coach looks like. And this is how he handles himself. This is how he deals with his players. This is how he deals with the media. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's not always easy, Matt, uh, coaching is a tough business yes. and there, uh, you know, there are losses and there's pain, but yet there's joy and then there's success, uh, for young people. And that is for me, uh, seeing my players learn how to be successful then translating that to their marriage and to their world, whatever they go into in terms of business. And, you know, the one in loss column, uh, you look back on that and that's just a part of the training and the development of the teams that you had, uh, how, how one handles defeat in life, uh, is really the essence of life because we all have defeat. We all right. uh, have, have losses. And so how we handle those is a part of our uh, Christian, uh, belief. And of course, uh, Matt, Jesus Christ was a perfect example of, of handling defeat. He arose from defeat. Yes. And so that, that has always been an inspiration for me that, you know, you don't have to take defeat. Uh, you can rise above it. And, uh, that's uh, what I tried to do, uh, with each and every defeat we had, whether it was, uh, in a football game or, I had to dismiss a player from my squad. Uh, you know, the, all the things that a coach has to go through, not, not just playing the football game. Right. Coach, one of, the, one of the things going from from your perspective on handling defeat, and football is like any other, I hate to say business, but I mean, but, but it is. You have standards that people expect you to meet. And there's always been a certain amount of pressure on coaches to win. You know, coaches who lose more than they win don't don't last very long. So one of the things, though, that you were noted for during your time at, at Baylor is that you were always above board in your recruiting practice, in the way that you approached players. Your ethics was of a great importance to you. I mean, people think, especially, you know, my younger, my generation and even younger, that the idea of, of trying to bribe players to come is very new, when in fact that type of thing has been 
going on for a long time with some, certainly not with all, but how were you able to, and how is a man able in general to withstand the pressure to cut corners, to cut ethical corners in order to, to gain some short-term success? You know, how, how would you speak to that uh, person who, who may be struggling with that? Well, first of all, Matt, let me, let me just tell you from my personal experience how I was able to handle it. Uh, when I came to Baylor, uh, you know, they had a very, very poor record. And uh, they, as a matter of fact, hadn't won a conference championship in 40s, 47 years, I guess. And uh, so... It, it, it was a it was a tough situation, and we had uh, people, uh, Baylor people, that had been very successful in their business, and uh, they came to me and wanted to spend money to get players, and and I just told them up front. Uh, I found out one time that uh, a player on our campus was getting money from a guy that had encouraged him to come to Baylor. He was a Baylor guy. And so I drove over to the town where he lived and found him. And I made it very clear to him that we were not going to do that. And he's not to spend another penny. I, of course, had to tell the player, uh, look, you made a decision based on somebody that's doing something that's illegal and we will not put up with it. And so... Uh, you're you're free to go if you want to transfer somewhere, but if you want to be like the rest of our players and get a scholarship, then you we're welcome and you jump in here. And thankfully, he did jump in and got his degree and was a decent football player. So, when it comes to to people, then I mean, what what is it? That, that keeps someone from, from taking that first small temptation? You know, if, if you were counseling a guy who's just starting out in business and, 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 and he is asked by his superiors to, to just do one small thing that's over the line and they say, you know, it's not a big deal, it's, it, it's just really small, what would you say to that guy? Well, I think the thing that, each individual has to deal with is their own conscience and their own feeling of right and wrong. And uh, I just believe that if someone is willing to do something like that, they, they have a flaw in their character and they need to straighten it out and they need to refuse to do something like that and make, make that refusal a part of their character and their courage to live life the right way. And, and cheating in any business, whether it's uh, recruiting or, or something in the business, is not right. And uh, it'll only take you so far. And, uh, and then it'll come crashing down on you. So do the things that need to be done. Do them the right way from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things that, that I had to deal with, uh, with alumni. When I came to Baylor, there were some rich alumni 
came to me and wanted to cheat and buy top players. And I said, no, we can't. I'm not going to do that because that's not right. If we can't beat those people with the players we recruit and turn and develop, then, you know, then I won't have a job. But that's the way we're going to do it. And one of them looked me in the eye, and he was a very wealthy man. And, Matt, he said to me, uh, Coach, you won't last a year. I said, <laughs> I said, okay, we'll see. 21 years later, I was still there. <laughs> yes. Know? So, but, you know, you, Matt, it's, it's in life for all of us as, as men, you know, we have to, to take our role very serious and whether it's in business or whether it's uh, cheating in some way on your wife, uh, it's all negative and it's all bad and it leads to disaster. So always take the high road. Always mm. do the right thing the right way, and it will work out extremely well for you. That that's good, Coach. That that that's that that is helpful. And 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 what's also helpful is to hear this from someone who uh, you're 87 years old, and, and you've this is not just something that you're telling other people to do, and you know, you're you're looking to do it yourself you have done this yourself i mean so so you've walked in this and you know the the lord took you and and placed you at a place as you said that had not been successful and in refusing to do things the easy way when others you know not not saying whom but other schools uh have and even you know when you were coaching teams would would take the easy way and you are still at times able to beat them and do it in an ethical uh, above board way well you know the nice thing about it is as i look back and as i uh intermingle with the guys that played for me uh we have we have you know get togethers ever so often and uh you know the thing that i hear coming back from them coach is the things that you taught us coach uh, have been uh, remarkable in our marriage life mm. and been in our business life uh the honesty integrity the things that we as men should uphold uh they carry through in every aspect and particularly uh, in our uh, businesses and in our marriages. So, Coach, in in pursuing this, in teaching this to young men, you know, we have a lot of that. There's a lot of dads in our church, and you know, a lot of dads that we know who some of them did not have good examples in their own lives, that their own fathers were not good examples as fathers. So how do you help, you know, how does someone like in your position, who's a a surrogate father to so many, how do you help guys who, you know, essentially 
boys in some cases who are just who, who have physical physically mature bodies but still may not be mature as men how do you help them transition from boys into men what are things that fa- that you did and that fathers should do to help that transition i think everything depends on the example that you set uh, you know children look up and they see and they hear and uh you know, if you're uh, a father that tells a child that uh, they shouldn't do this, and then as that father, you turn around and do that, uh, it does not uh, fare well uh, with the child. You know, they, they're thinking, they're smart little rascals. <laughs> and so they see, and if you don't live what you say, then it's invalid. It just really is. And so uh, I think the big thing is that uh, what you say, uh, you must you must live. And, and sometimes that's hard, but that's what you have to do, I believe. Otherwise, you tell an invalid story. Hmm. Coach, uh, I'm sure you still watch college football and, you know, season's about to start and course I, I was catechized born and raised as an alabama university of alabama football fan and so so you know we in our state we love football your state absolutely loves football but you know college football has received negative publicity for a number of reasons uh in the last few years based on a number of factors you've been around for a long time and you've seen a lot of things in college football you were the and one thing i didn't mention you were the director of the afca american um, college football uh, american football coaches association i believe that, that that's how you, that's the organization that's correct, correct? Uh, i was the executive director for 20 years okay so you've seen that you have lobbied you know continually as we talked about earlier for ethical behavior and, and, and such, and standards, what do you see as the trajectory of college football? Is it, uh, is it going in a negative direction? Is it something that you see is, is still pretty much like it was, you know, while on the field things change, but, you know, generally it's pretty stable? How, how do you see the trajectory of college football right now? Well, very frankly, you know, I, I spend some time concerned about that. So I'm an observer. I watch very closely. I read uh, a lot uh, nationwide of what's going on with football teams across the country. And uh, I, I believe very strongly that uh, our coaches across the nation are on top of this. They're fighting a huge battle because society, as you well know as a pastor, has changed on us. Uh, our society is much, much different than it was when I grew up. And uh, so, you know, we have to adjust to that and we have to deal with it and we have to be open and frank. You know, you can't 
come, come around with a young person and beat around the bush, man. You know, you, right. you have to go right to the point and you have to explain why uh, this is a concern for you and where that might lead for that young person. And uh, it's amazing, uh, you know, if you're able to do that as a coach, it's amazing, uh, man, how uh, the young people will listen to you and uh, they'll take your counsel, they'll take your advice. And so that's been the beautiful thing is that, you know, there's a, a lot going on in this world that we live in. And all of our young people, boys and girls, are exposed to it. But there has to be somebody somewhere uh, that can tell them, you know, here's the right way to go. My recommendation always to our players is, look, get involved in a church, in a youth program at the church. Be involved in that. Place your focus uh, in a different direction than you're looking right now. Mm. There's so much in this world that we live in and through our ministries and church. And, uh, and I'm not talking about you as a football player, uh, becoming a minister. I'm talking about you becoming a man, right. And being, and being the kind of man that can lead your family. If they can look up to you, and see you as the kind of man they want to be. Mm. And so it's it's very important, you know, that each of us take the responsibility that is ours and, and live up to it. And the best way to do that, uh, very simply, is to follow the advice and counsel of Jesus Christ. Right. Amen to that, bro. Amen. That's right. Now, because because the truth is, uh, the teachings of Christ, and if you're involved in your church, and you're involved in your Bible study as a young person and as a young family, uh, you're going to be heading in the right direction. And uh, that's what I always recommend to all my players. Hmm. You get married. You get involved in the church, you be there every time the doors open. And when they do, they find a place, man. Hmm. Coach, I, 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 I don't want to keep you much longer. Just, I just have a, a few more questions for you. But, I mean, this has been really, really great, and I, I appreciate it. It's when I look around now, you know, I, I think pe people talk about how long the average pastor stays at a church for, I think, less than three years at this point. And, you know, at one time, the tenure of a college football coach was much longer. You know, when you look at somebody like yourself at Baylor, Hayden Fry at, at Iowa, uh, Bobby Bowden at Florida State, you know, and, and granted, these were successful you know you were all successful coaches but but now longevity is much shorter than it was is that a a negative for players and for programs or do you think it's just the nature of where the game is right now well uh, it, it is you know 
where the game is right now. That's the reality and the truth. But I don't think it's the best thing for the game. I don't think it's the best thing for the coaches. And I certainly don't think it's the best thing for the players that are uh, affected by their coaches. Uh, and so it's, it's not the best time for us in the coaching world. But you know what? We have to make do with what we have. And, uh, you know, look around now, Matt. There's not many coaches that stay at one place for 20 years. Right. Uh, there's a lot of movement that goes on. And a lot of it has to do with the money. Uh, you know, we uh, live in a world now where coaches make millions of dollars, uh, you know, most I ever made in any one year was fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> and uh, I became the athletic director, so I jumped up to a hundred thousand because I got fifty thousand for each job. So I, I finally made a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and uh, the coaches nowadays light their cigars with them. <laughs> 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 but you know, I, that's I'm not I'm not saying that to complain, right? Uh, I'm you know, I was extremely blessed and extremely happy, and uh, you know what? We made we made everything out of a wonderful wife, Donnell. That you know she loves sports. She was a cheerleader at Tech, and so you know she's she always made do with what we had, and. Uh, you know, we never felt like, I don't think any of our children ever felt like we uh, didn't have everything we needed. And so, you know, that's the blessing of it, is that you can do what mm. you love to do, take care of your family, and be able to supply the needs that your family has. And yes. if, if you make more than that, you can put it in the savings and, and uh, have it as a nest egg, wonderful, more power to it. Coach, you're famous for your awesome motivational stories told sometimes before games. So, so, so the first time I ever heard you speak, it was a, a cassette, an audio cassette tape. And I, I, it was a motivational speech you had given to a group. And, and I, I remember, because I, I played this cassette tape multiple times, and I, I got good enough to where I could actually tell people your stories and not as well as you did, but, but close enough to, to where the people would actually laugh when I would tell. So, so you had a, a part in me learning how to tell good stories. I will say that. And still my kids laugh at some of the stories that, that I told them from just that one tape years ago. So what is your favorite motivational story that you ever told one of your teams in the past? Oh boy, that's, <laughs> that's a tough question. <laughs> I coached a long time, <laughs> you know, told a lot of stories. Most of them were true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. High, now, uh, high percentage were true. <laughs> so, 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 coach. Well, maybe let, let me ask you about this one. Uh, is it true in nineteen seventy eight? when your team was playing Texas 
Texas is ranked number nine, and you had a lot of players injured, and you told your team a story about two Eskimos. Do you remember that? Of course. So, so c- t- tell us about t- tell us about what you did there. Well, that, there, that's a a very well known uh, act uh, that I performed uh, nationwide. Uh, uh, you'd be surprised uh, after that the word got out on that and the story. I had high school coaches. Uh, all over calling me. Now, Coach, how do you do this? You know? <laughs> and and uh, from all over the nation. And uh, this, this this one coach called me and he said, Coach, Coach, listen, I want to tell you that, that Friday night uh, before our game, I ate a worm. And uh, <laughs> some, of the play, some of the players threw up. <laughs> <laughs> And, but he said, "Coach, we won anyway." <laughs> so, 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 so in this, you actually, in, in order to, to to motivate your team, because everybody in the country is expecting y'all to to lose. Just could you tell us that story? So, so you got two Eskimos and they're fishing, and then what happened well, there? Yeah, uh, let me see if I can remember. About that story, uh, my daughter Lane here, who's uh, my producer as well, uh, she may remember it pretty good. But basically, what it what it was was there were two Eskimos out on the ice with the hole, and they were all fishing in the hole, both of them. And uh, this uh, one uh, fisherman uh, was just catching fish right after the other, and the other Eskimo was not catching any fish. And so finally, the Eskimo that wasn't catching fish turned to the one that was and said, what is the secret to your success? And the fisherman that was catching the fish turned to the one asking the question and said, you gotta keep the one going. Oh, and then you demonstrated also this, didn't you? Yeah, I sort of did. (laughs) (laughs) You did not swallow. No, right, right. I I I, uh, put the worm in my mouth. I dropped him down, opened my mouth wide, and I dropped this big old earthworm. Down in the in the bottom of my lower mouth, uh, and and uh, in, inside my jaw there, and uh, and so the team, team blew out of that room, you know, and, <laughs> and I mean they took off, and so I followed them out, and I took the worm out and dropped him in the trash bucket. <laughs> I came by. <laughs> So and y'all word, won the game, didn't word you? Word was out that I ate a worm, but I really didn't. Right, but 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 you beat Texas that game, though I believe. Yeah, we did, and they were they were picked to win the conference, and we were picked to be dead last. Mm. So we went out there. But here here's the honest truth, you know, I, I doubt very much 
uh, that 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 had anything to do with us winning the game. Uh, basically, the reason I will do something like that is to kind of Texas. That was such a big game, uh, you right. know, for, for Baylor, uh, and uh, we we really wanted to win that game. So teams can get too tight, you know. Right. Uh, if you've been around it very much, you know that a team can come out there that's supposed to win, and they just look terrible. Well, they're all right. they're all too tight, you know. They're all right. too emotional about it, and so. That was one of the reasons I wanted to do it. I didn't want our team to be uptight about something. I wanted them to be laughing when they went out yeah. on that football field, and they were, and you could hear them. They say, you see, Coach, he put that thing in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, that remind. yeah, that, there's a story I remember hearing. Oh, the, good, one of- the good news was, I mean, the story wouldn't be any good if we lost to Texas that night. <laughs> right, right. I made the story valid. <laughs> it, right. Well, well, I, I remember a, one player at, at UA talking about uh, when Bear Bryant was a coach at Alabama that they were that they were supposed to win a game. They were losing at halftime, and all the players were scared to death that Coach Bryant was just going to blow the doors in. Yeah. And and he got him in the locker room. He started clapping his hands and singing "What a Friend We Have in Jesus" to them. Yeah. And you know, but they actually, if I remember correctly, they went out and they won the ball game because yeah. they they settled down. Yeah. So, what, Coach? The last question here. What you know, when the time comes and the Lord calls you to be with Him forever, what is it? that you want people to remember about Grant Taft? What, what do you want your legacy to be? That I care. I think that's very important. That people remember that, that I cared about. I cared about my players. I cared about my coaches. I cared about their families. I care about my community, my state, my nation. And uh, I'm a person that cares, and it's a huge, huge, important thing. Hmm. Thank you, Coach. This has been great. I appreciate the time that you've taken. It's been a a, a tremendous encouragement. Uh, Great to talk with you. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to to talk today. Happy to do it, uh, Matt. Thank you, my friend. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Thank you.